this Monday, December the 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2019, two days before Christmas. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and this is our last broadcast for 2019. We'll be back, God willing, on Epiphany Day, January the 6th. But right now, we have to kind of look at what are we going to be talking about for Christmas. We normally have a text we look at, a hymn we look at, and so forth. So today, we're going to do both items on this last broadcast. And we're going to do it on the basis of one of the best hymns for Christmas that I really enjoy. I'll tell you about the hymn in a moment, but first of all, we'll take a look at two texts that are on the basis of this hymn. The first one is found in Isaiah chapter 9, and the verses I want to read begin with verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. During this Advent season, those were the texts I used for the Advent Wednesday services. I talked about Jesus being wonderful, Counselor, it is very important to recognize that wonderful is not an adjective for counselor. Those are two different names. He's wonderful one, and he's also counselor. Then we talked about him being mighty God. Last week, we talked about everlasting father. Now, that's kind of unusual that one of the names of Jesus, according to 9, chapter 9, Isaiah, verse 6, is everlasting Father. Normally, when the name Father is used, it refers to the first person of the Trinity. How can Jesus be considered everlasting Father? Well, in the sermon, we made a couple of points that Jesus himself is recognized hardly any differently than the Father, even though they are two different persons in the Trinity. For example, one of the disciples asked Jesus, when are we going to see the Father? And Jesus says, well, you see me, I and the Father are one. One of the best examples that came to me from Dr. Brighton, in his commentary on the book of Revelation, if you go to Daniel 7, you have the Ancient of Days who sends the Son of Man to earth to redeem the world. Days is God the Father. The Son of Man is Jesus Christ. But there is a description of God the Father as the Ancient of Days, with white hair and what he's wearing, etc. Well, when you get to Revelation chapter 1, it talks about Jesus, and he looks like 
the Ancient of Days. He's described in the same way that the Ancient of Days was described in Daniel. And that's very important. The point of the sermon was that when you pray to Jesus, he's the intermediary at the right hand of God the Father. So it's also speaking to God the Father because the two are so closely related. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweated as of drops of blood because he wasn't that concerned about the pain he would endure on the cross as he was about the separation from the Father with the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, the last name is Prince of Peace, and that's going to be the Christmas sermon that I'm preaching and also the basis of the hymn we're about to look at. But before we do that, we take a look at the gospel reading upon which the hymn is based, and that's from Luke chapter 2, about in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields. And of course, the angel said to them, there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And of course, a whole multitude of angels were singing to them. And when they had left the shepherds, the shepherds, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And there they found the baby Jesus lying in a manger. A verse 17 of chapter 2 is important. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. One of the suggestions I made in the sermon recently is that prior to opening up the presents as the family is gathered around the Christmas tree, it might be a good idea to perhaps read a passage such as from Luke 2 and then sing a hymn, maybe like Away in a Manger or Silent Night. And this is a way of giving thanks to God for what he has done through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the hymn we're going to be using for Jesus as Prince of Peace is one that's new to the hymnal because it wasn't written that long ago. It's entitled, Where Shepherds Lately Knelt. And in Lutheran's service book, it's hymn 369. It's written by a great hymnal writer, Yaroslav J. Vada. He was born in 1919, uh, still is alive. Carl Schock wrote the tune. He was born in 1929. 
Now, I'm not sure if Yaroslav's still alive or not because he'd be 100. I just haven't heard of his death. But let's examine where shepherds lately knelt. And obviously, it's on the basis of after hearing the angels, the shepherds traveled to Bethlehem. First verse, where shepherds lately knelt and kept the angel's word. You see, not everybody who hears an angel really believes what the angel is saying. Zechariah, for example, was visited by Gabriel and was told that his wife Elizabeth, past childbearing age, would have a son and he would name him John. And he doubted it. So he was made mute, unable to speak until John was born. But not the shepherds. They heard this message from the angels and they quickly came to the Bethlehem stable. Now, what Yaroslav does in this hymn is he puts us there also. So after saying, where shepherds lately knelt and kept the angel's word, I come in half belief, a pilgrim strangely stirred. We understand that in the world today, many people have either half belief or no belief that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Even though it's prophesied in the Old Testament that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, there are many who just, you don't really believe that, do you? And how can we not? Because we have the same faith Joseph, her betrothed had, when he was going to divorce her, the angel came to him and told him, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and he will save his people from their sins. That was even in a dream. That wasn't seeing Gabriel face to face as Zachariah and Mary saw. Can you imagine you had a dream and supposedly an angel taught to you? How much would you believe that? But we can understand why Joseph believed that because he was given faith from the Holy Spirit and maybe even reminded of some Old Testament verses, namely, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And therefore, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he did not divorce Mary. Well, we come in half belief, a pilgrim strangely stirred. What does it mean, a pilgrim? Well, we live in a colony. We're born into the world. And we're not really born into the kingdom of God until faith is given us. And we also are strangely stirred. And so on Christmas, we come to the Savior in the cradle. The next line, but there is room and welcome there 
for me. And the last line of the first stanza, but there is room and welcome there for me. That for me is absolutely critical. Often when I'm visiting a new congregation and I have a seminar with them, I'll ask this question. It's one of my favorites. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, will you be saved? Who believes that you will not be saved? And even in Lutheran congregations, hardly anybody puts their hand up. But then I make the point, no, if you believe that he died on the cross and rose from the dead, that doesn't mean that you're going to go to heaven. And people are astonished. Well, didn't he die on the cross and rose from the dead? Oh, yes. But who also believes that that is not going to heaven? Not only the evil angels, they know he died on the cross. They know he rose from the dead. But even the unbelieving Pharisees, remember they paid the soldiers to lie about the empty tomb by saying that his disciples came and stole the body as though those disciples, fishermen, could overpower Roman soldiers. They knew he rose from the dead, but they believed it was a trick of Beelzebub, just like they agreed that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but it was a trick of the devil. So believing the history of the Bible doesn't save anybody. Those Pharisees believed in six-day, 24-hour creation. They believed that Moses was a man, that David was king. They believed all kinds of things from the Old Testament because that's what God's Word said but they didn't believe the gospel promises as found in the Old Testament concerning Jesus Christ. And therefore, when they confronted him, they denied him to the point of crucifying him. So what's more important than believing the history is believing the promises connected to that history. And that's where Yaroslav does such a good job in this hymn when he says, where I come to the cradle, strangely stirred in half belief, but there is room and welcome there for me. That, those two words, for me, is the difference between historic faith and saving faith. We're not saved because, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. We're saved because we believe the promise that he died for me, paying the price for my sins. He rose from the dead for me, justifying me, as the Bible says. In fact, the for me is so important in this hymn that out of four verses, it's mentioned eight times. Verse two, so we're still with the shepherds. In that unlikely place, I find him as they said. 
Why is it unlikely? Well, remember those wise men? Where was the likely place they thought that the king of the Jews would be born? Herod's palace. And when they got there, Herod didn't even know about it. So, unlikely place, a stable, a cow shed. Next, sweet newborn babe, how frail, and in a manger bed. See, this is why it's difficult to have full belief. He's a baby. He appears to be totally weak. And it's only from other Bible verses we know that even while he is in that Bethlehem stable, he is also with God the Father as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Sweet newborn babe, how frail, and in a manger bed. A still, small voice to cry one day for me. See, what is done in this hymn is that you are personally placed at the Bethlehem stable. And you hear that still, small voice, but he reminds us that one day, that voice will cry for me. Now, what day is he talking about? Well, for all of us, you just go to the cross. What is the one word from the cross where Jesus cries for me and for you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is one time he calls to the Father because he was forsaken experience the full desertion of the Father so that the Father will never desert the believer. But there are two other times he calls to the Father. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. That's at the end of the crucifixion. But then there's another time where he cries for me. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Notice what Yaroslav does here. He's putting us at the Bethlehem scene, and he's reminding us of the benefits that Christ has won for us. Verse 3, how should I not have known Isaiah would be there? Isaiah, how is Isaiah there? because Isaiah is the one that prophesied that his name will be called Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Counselor. So even Isaiah in prophecy is there at the stable. Going on, his prophecies fulfilled with pounding heart, I stare. A child, a son, the prince of peace for me. That word peace comes up not only in Isaiah as the name of Jesus, but it's spoken by the angels that 
peace is going to be brought to all believers. What peace? We're going to have a wonderful life? No. It's really sad that a lot of pastors today give the impression that if you only follow God's will, you will have a lot better life. You'll have a good life. You'll have a life of peace. That is unbiblical because God has already promised the peace and it's already in place. It's the peace between you and the Father. By breaking down the wall of hostility and dying for our sins, Jesus is the Prince of Peace for us. And that's how that verse ends. A child, a son, the Prince of Peace for me. There's that for me again. Moving from historic faith to the gospel because I trust that promise. The final verse. Can I, will I forget how love was born and burned its way into my heart, unasked, unforced, unearned? Where do we get that idea of burning our way, or burning its way into our heart? Two passages come to mind. At the Pentecost sermon, when the people heard that they had killed the Messiah, it says their hearts burned within them. And they said, oh my, what have we done? What can we do to make up for this? And Peter responded, well, there's nothing you can do, but you can be baptized. Baptism isn't something we do. It's something God does to us. And therefore, hearing the law, it burned within them. But hearing the gospel also burns within us. And the example I would use is on the road to Emmaus, Jesus gave a wonderful, wonderful Bible study. And that was about how he had to die on the cross going through the Old Testament. And it says, the hearts of the two disciples burned within them. That's how you bring someone to faith, by preaching proper law and gospel. And finally, the last words of this hymn. To die, to live, and not alone for me. Because now we are members of the body of Christ. He is the head. We are the body. Wherever he is, that's where we are. That's the Christmas message. I hope you get a chance to look at where shepherds lately knelt. And God willing, we'll be back on the day of Epiphany. That's a Monday with a examination of the text for the following Sunday, or maybe even about Epiphany. Haven't decided that. I'm Tom Baker, and thanks for donating to our cause. We're only about $2,000 short for the year. 
God this bless. Is the Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.